It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have a jam-packed show. And by that, I mean we got some great basketball games to talk about. We're trying to figure out what was the game of the tournament. And I'm going to argue with myself to figure that out because uh, in case you haven't figured out, this is going to be a solo show. Isn't that right, Kyle? Well, if you if you don't count me as a person, which I guess you and Rasilla would be in the same camp. No, but, uh, no, that's all right. It's 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 more that like <laughs> no, this is a solo show. I will well, not be giving insights. I don't want you to have to feel like you got to give me college basketball advice or, or college bat. I don't want to make you feel like you got to banter with me. You know. I don't want you to feel that either because okay. we're going to be in big trouble. We're going to be in big trouble, but we also had a lot of fun. We watched games at the office. Uh, again, we're doing reaction shows. If you're just tuning in, Kyle Mann is out tonight. He is not feeling well. He's under the weather. We're pulling for him. We're hoping he's feel, feeling better. Um, but I'm going to run through all the games. I'm going to talk about, obviously, what happened in the UCLA-Gonzaga game, an all-time instant classic, one of the best we've seen. We've got to talk about Marquise Noel, who is the ultimate Kimba candidate, going to get into all that. Um, there were two other games that happened tonight, but they weren't as fun as the other ones. Um, shout out to Rick Barnes for trying to survive. But look, this is going to be a fun show. We'll break down all the nuance of what happened. We're going to get ready and prime for what's ahead in, in the Elite Eight, which is going to be good. Kyle, anything else before we get into this? Nada. But first, Woody Durham. All right, welcome into One Shining Podcast. As always, I am your host, Tate Frazier. And typically, you know, when you do a basketball show, you might have a co-host sitting across from you. And that's what I was planning on doing tonight. But things happen in the world of, you know, basketball and in the world that we all live in. So Kyle, producer Kyle, is sitting here in the room with me. We just watched UCLA Gonzaga, an instant classic, best game of the tournament. I'm going to get into all of that. But I want to do some cleanup duty at the top of the show. So Kyle Mann who has done all the reaction shows with us, um, you know, since last weekend. He flew back to Louisville. Um, it was a long, treacherous, you know, flight back. He had delays. He had all types of things. And now he's got a sickness, Kyle, unfortunately. So he called me this afternoon. He says, hey, 
Um, you know, I'm going to watch the games, but I'm not feeling good. And I'm going to be honest with you, Kyle, producer Kyle sitting right here. He didn't sound great. He did not sound great at all. It was one of those like Ferris Bueller moments where, you know, if he had texted me and said, I'm sick, I, I probably would have been upset. I, I probably would have been mad at him to the be Larry honest with David you. stare down. Right. I needed the phone call. He gave me the phone call. I, I am convinced that he is sick. So we and everyone, friends of the program everywhere, we're sending good vibes, good spirits. Kyle, man, get better soon, right? This yeah, is, this I can is the confirm field. the draft show that he does was canceled as well. So, um, uh, he's definitely sick. Yeah, it would actually be really messed up if I heard him on a draft show. He's tomorrow. like, I only have one in the tank. Buddy. He I'm and sorry. Kevin O'Connor <laughs> are doing a draft show. They're doing a draft special on the games that happened last night. I would be very upset about that, but I wanted to get that out of the way because, you know, people at home right now, typically Kyle Mann would be here. We would be reacting. We would be freaking out about the fact that we just saw an amazing game in Las Vegas. Um, before we get into the, the Vegas game and what I am deeming the Drew Timmy game, some would say it's a tale of two halves. That's one of my favorite tropes in basketball, right? The tale of two halves. This game was an instant classic, and uh, it confirmed that UCLA Gonzaga is a 21st century gym in the NCAA tournament. It's a matchup that when the committee is putting matchups together and they're scrubbing and they're doing the whole process, right, the committee and Condoleezza Rice specifically should make sure we have UCLA Gonzaga. And if it were up to me, I would love to see it, you know, in the final four, like we saw in 2021, we got the Jalen Sugg shot tonight. We got the Julian Strother shot. Um, but before we get into to all the shots that were made and all the shots that were missed tonight, I want to talk about something. This is a PSA to everybody out there. It's time to standardize the basketball and college basketball. And I say this because I've seen a lot of discourse out there. A lot of people talking about the very orange almost recess-like basketballs that we're playing with in the NCAA tournament. And they are, of course, the Wilson Evo, uh, which is, you know, like a, a variation of the evolution. And, you know, they were, they were debuted last year. There was a lot of hoopla about them. They're bouncy. Um, there's been conversations about administrators are the ones that actually fill up these basketballs. And the coaches are complaining that they're pumped up too much, right? They're also fresh basketballs, so they're not worn down. Mark Few, coach of Gonzaga, he was talking about this leading into the game. He was saying, why, why don't we weather these balls down? It, it's a very like a baseball conversation that's happening in basketball. And if you're just a novice fan at home, you may not have noticed anything different other than the brightness of the ball. It definitely feels like they wanted the ball to appeal to like a Nickelodeon kid. They, they wanted to be like, oh, my God, I love that orange basketball. I bought one myself, Kyle, last year um, to see what it felt like. I, as I watched North Carolina shoot better than they did all season long, and Caleb Love, Caleb Love, you know, continued to make insane shot after insane shot. I said, what's going on with this basketball? Let me feel this. Let me see this. I ordered one. I, I got it at home. I went and played with it a little bit. You know, I, I, I like the basketball. I will say it actually felt better than you'd expect from what you see on TV. It looks like it would be made of plastic, like rubber, like a straight up recess basketball. But it's nicer than that. But it is just kind of like, you know, it just needs like some love. It needs some tender loving. You know, it needs to be like Mark Few said, worn down a little bit. And why do we decide that the tournament, you know, the tournament that we're all, you know, all eyes towards March, this is March, all the conversation. Why do we decide to not have this basketball used really at all throughout the season? There's random tournaments that use it. There's random teams that decided to use it. And I get it. Look, from the the team's ask, you know, the team standpoint, if you're a Nike school, right, you have to use Nike basketballs. If, you know, you're Wisconsin, you have to use the rock. We don't know why you have to use the rock. It's the worst basketball invented. But I guess that's why teams come and they score 55 points against you because they have to shoot a literal rock. It's the hardest, most disgusting basketball ever. 
But all I'm saying is, I think we fix these complaints. I think these we fix these problems by saying, well, let's standardize. Something. Let's do something at the top. The NCAA does nothing other than hold this tournament for us. This is the time where they could actually be proactive and have an impact on the game in a positive way. And I think if they decided, just like the NBA has a, a standard basketball, we all know what the NBA right. basketball that is. It's crazy when you put it that way. Right. We Like, <laughs> imagine this, Kyle. You go to a different team in your conference. Let's say you're, go, you're in the Big Ten. You're playing Wisconsin. You're shooting your Nike basketball every single day. Nike basketballs, if you haven't shot them, they're kind of like spongy. They're, they almost feel like a little bit flat. And like when you dribble them, they almost, you're like, man, we need to put a little bit of air in this. And then the more air you put in it, it just kind of stretches. It doesn't feel like the air is actually going in. And they're softer. But then you go play with the rock, and it literally is concrete. It's like a carnival ball. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you bounce the rock, and it's like kind of uneven the way that it's taking in air. It could bounce to the side all of a sudden. There's baiting balls that some of these teams use, which are like, they look like the orange balls that we're playing with in the tournament. But I say all that to say, Let's get one ball that we all agree upon, and we know what the ball is. If you play basketball, you <laughs> know the ball is you. the Wilson Evolution. We all know what the ball is. The Wilson Evolution is the basketball that we all should be playing with. So not the Evo. Not the Evo. I know it's a, it's a, you know, it, it's like they they wouldn't mess with the formula that everyone liked, and now we're upset about it. You know, it's like if they changed the sauce of McRib. That's not a McRib. You know what I mean? We we want the right ball. We want the right sauce. How about the electric hatchback Mustang? Anybody? Right. Paying through the nose for this Mustang. All of a sudden, there's electric hatchbacks out there calling themselves Mustangs. How, how is the Mustang, by the way? Uh, 13 miles to the gallon. Let's skip it. Let's skip it. All right. Well, Ford, <laughs> you know, if you're out there and you're listening, we still love you. Big fan. Um, big big fan. fan. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. Um, but all that aside, I am not a fan of the basketball that they're using in the, in the NCAA tournament. And if they are going to continue to push the Evo, let's get it in every gym. Let's let teams practice with it because we have historic three-point shooting in this uh, in this NCAA tournament, and not for the better, for the worse. And this is also the oldest NCAA tournament in history. So we have veteran players. They're not making shots. We wonder why they're not making shots. We're wondering why it's an ugly, you know, we've had some ugly games. Well, we can blame the basketball all we want, but let's standardize it so we're all playing with the same ball. And when we, when we get to the tournament... We all have, you know, better games for it, and we have better gameplay because at the end of the day, what do we care about? We care about the game. In the words of Rick Pitino, I've never cheated the game, and I never will cheat the game, but this basketball is cheating the game right now, and it's not giving us the best product. All right, that's done. PSA ended. Standardize the basketball. Let's talk about the actual basketball games themselves because, boy, oh, boy, I really have to catch my breath because Gonzaga UCLA just wrapped up, and... Uh, as I said at the top of the show, a tale of two halves. And I say that ironically, but I also say that literally because if you watch this game, UCLA was up big at halftime and they were dominating in the first half. Uh, Gonzaga just couldn't walk anywhere without turning the basketball over. It was leading to points for UCLA. It just felt like UCLA was completely in, con in control of the first half. But the thing that caught my attention, right? Halftime interview, Mick Cronin. He's, uh, you know, he mentions that they're down two starters, which of course they are, right? Jalen Clark is out. He's behind the bench. It was good to see him. Um, I know he's been doing, you know, his medical stuff. So, you know, he's been out of the way. Didn't go to the first two games, but good to have him behind the bench. But also a Dim Bona who had the shoulder injury. So the starting five man, the Pac-12 freshman of the year is not playing in this game. So Mick Cronin mentions that going into halftime. We're down two starters, and he was like, and I got to remind Tiger Campbell and Jaime Jaquez that we got other guys on the court. They got to pass on the ball. And he said it kind of tug-in-cheek, but when he said that, Kyle, 
Red flag. My my eyebrows were raised because I said, okay, UCLA is up. They're up double digits. But I also remembered that this is what this Gonzaga team does, right? They have six comebacks this season of 10 or more points. And if you watched uh, the aircraft carrier game to start the year, that was the almost like the the precursor to this game. You know, it was Gonzaga being down to Michigan State. It felt like Michigan State was going to win. And then all of a sudden, here he comes, stroking that mustache. Timmy! Drew Timmy. Of course, this was the Drew Timmy game. And in the second half, the Zags kind of struggled with the pick and roll of UCLA. But in the second half, they turned up the defense. And Drew Timmy just, you know, kind of went unconscious a little bit in the second half. And, uh, you know, second chance points were a big part of that. Gonzaga was killing it on the glass. I mean, they they get 20-plus rebounds uh, in the rebounding margin by the end of this game. And Drew Timmy, one of the plays that kind of stood out to me in the second half was, you know, it's 63-61. Drew Timmy's on the block. Um, Nuba, uh, Kenneth Nuba, who's a fifth-year senior who is now playing because of Bona being out. You know, Mac Etienne is also rotating in, but UCLA's down. They're five-man, like I said. That means it's Timmy time. Timmy with a little spin move there, overpowers him one-on-one in the post. And, you know, the Stan Van Gundy's on the call, SVG, and he's saying, you can't leave this guy singled. You know, you can't leave Drew Timmy singled because, as we know, every big, if you're a legit big and you're an A1 big, you're, you're expecting to get doubled. But they're not doubling him because they're worried about guys like Malachi Smith and Hunter Salas and Julian Strother hitting shots. Um, you know, from from three and just basically trying to keep them at bay and saying, look, if we're going to lose tonight, we'll let Drew Timmy beat us one-on-one. And guess what Drew Timmy did? Uh, he beat them pretty much one-on-one. I mean, dominated in the second half. Um, they did the classic. This is one of my favorite stats that they do, Kyle, in basketball. They show the star player and they give you his stats and then they do rest of team. At one point, Drew Timmy had 35 points and the rest of the team had 33 points. And this was about 325 to go in the game. Malachi Smith's defense, I wanted to point this out, his defense was great on Tiger Campbell uh, in the second half. That was a real big difference in this game. Um, you know, and one you know big shot uh, in this game uh, was for Drew Timmy to win the race to 69 at the free throw line. That was about with 325 to go. And when he won, when he won the race to 69, they cut to the crowd. And who did I see, Kyle? Terrell Owens. T.O. in the crowd pulling for Gonzaga. I have no idea why T.O. is a Gonzaga fan. If anyone out there, any friends of the program could do some research for me, I would love to hear that. Um, But big moment for the Zags. They take the lead. And as this is all happening, all the momentum is going. They they get up by nine points. They throw up the Timmy record, right? Timmy's record at Gonzaga officially now. um, At the time, it was 120 and 12. He's now 121 and 12 at Gonzaga. I'll say that again. What? Drew Timmy's record at Gonzaga is 121 wins and 12 losses. Okay, so this guy's an all-timer. This guy, uh, he has the most 20-point, 20-plus-point games in NCAA tournament history. 10, got it tonight, broke the record, Bill Bradley's record, so there you go. So Drew Timmy's on fire. Um, You know, like I said, the the Zags are doing great uh, on defense, the pick-and-roll defense. UCLA just kind of goes cold in the second half. Um, I think they ended up shooting like 25 27%. But then with about 114 to go in this game, here he comes, folks. My favorite player. On the West Coast, Jame Jaquez Jr. gets an and one with about 114 to go. It gets another and one with about 45 seconds to go. And all of a sudden, you know, they cut it to three. UCLA is on a nine to two run. It's about it's 74 to 71 at this point. 
and you know, you kind of start to feel it. And this is the critical moment and almost was the game changing play. So there was a foul. Anton Watson has the ball in the backcourt. UCLA again, down three. So they don't have to foul because of the time, right? We've got about 40 seconds to go in the game, but they foul Watson. They put Watson on the free throw line. Kyle and I are sitting there. I'm like, I think that was a good foul. I, I think that was like, and then you see the stat. Right. So I'm like, oh, wow, that was actually a great foul because he scouted and knew that Anton Watson was a 57 percent free throw free throw shooter. Watson goes, bricks both free throws, gets pulled out of the game um, at that point. Anyways, fast forward. Tiger Campbell comes down. uh, UCLA is down 75, 73. Tiger Campbell kicks it out to Amari Bailey. Amari Bailey hits an insane three. An insane three, like a, a big shot Billups, Chauncey Billups kind of shot. 76-75. UCLA goes on a 10-to-1 run in 41 seconds. The building is rocking in Vegas. Everyone's looking around and saying, oh, my God, is UCLA about to pull off one of those comebacks? And look, this is the exact date of Adam Morrison, 2006, when it felt like Gonzaga had the game in hand and they completely choked it away. Jordan Farmar, the past, we all remember that moment in time. So it felt like maybe that that was in the air again. And that was until Julian Strother, uh, they take a timeout, Gonzaga does Mark Few. And, uh, you know, Drew Timmy had missed two free throws, by the way. I forgot about that. He missed two free throws. He's a 63% free throw shooter. So uh, that was almost uh, a dire situation there. But Julian Strother comes in to save the day. They take a timeout. Mark Few says after the game that they practice this uh, all the time in practice. They run this play. It's very eerily similar to the Chris Jenkins play. And I remember Jay Wright talking about, you know, Chris Jenkins. We we run that little trailer three toss back all the time. And that's exactly what Gonzaga runs here. They toss it back to Strother. Strother's on the logo, on the March Madness logo. The, the Just like what a moment, what a shot. And takes the deep three, dead on, straight shot, legs behind him, exactly what you want, hits the three, and, uh, you know, gives Gonzaga the lead. And that was the game. And what an amazing moment. What an amazing shot. And especially when you realize that Strother is from Las Vegas, right? So he's literally playing in his hometown in Las Vegas where he played high school basketball and hits one of the biggest shots we've seen. And... I, I don't really know what else to say about this game other than please sign me up every single time. Every single time that UCLA is playing Gonzaga, I want to be there. I want to watch it. I want to see what happens. It looked like this game was going to be a dud. The first game in Vegas was a total dud. I mean, <laughs> yeah. UConn blew out Arkansas. It was just a big time dud. And then this game, I even said to you, Kyle, right? I was, was going to say, I think it's a good thing your shit talk doesn't make it all the way to Twitter. Right. And you can sort of, you can just, just parse out the way you want to. So, uh, Good job on your restraint. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to keep things to yourself. And honestly, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll break a little like uh, the fourth wall on Twitter. Sometimes, Kyle, when I want things to happen, I tweet the opposite so I can jinx it into, you know, in, into reality because that's how things work on Twitter. Whenever you say something that's great, like you're like, this guy's unbelievable, right? Something bad happens. Sure. He turns the ball over, whatever it is. So like sometimes... You just got to play the game. When I used to wait for my PS2 games to load, I would act like if I didn't care about it and I look away, then it would happen faster. It's sort of the same thing. You're just mm. you're just trying to speed up the uh, which the desired reaction. Right. I, get it. I like it. Right. Well, that's that's all I can do in this world of takes um, in this world of Twitter. It's all fun and games until it's not. Also, shout out to the one shining parlay. Um, did not hit. I got <laughs> right lo- right logic, wrong pick. I had Gonzaga up at halftime, but UCLA to win the game. The opposite happened. UCLA up at halftime, Gonzaga to win the game. So uh, to all the people that are waiting on pins and needles for the OSP parlay, 
we apologize. That was that was funny in the um in the beginning of that game. I mean, it was probably like only six minutes in. We were joking, like, would it be funny if the opposite happened? And funny it was. It's always funny, Kyle. It's always funny. I'm literally Joe Pesci. I'm like, funny how, you know? Every single time it happens. All right. So that was a historic game. That that to me, that may have been the best game of the tournament. And it might be in competition with the game prior. And that game was in Madison Square Garden, a historic night in Madison Square Garden. Noel, Noel, Noel. It was a work of art. And one of the common things that we talk about when it gets into the tournament is we're looking for Kimba candidates always, right? Uh, A a guard that can just control a game either with scoring or without scoring um, that just kind of has a stranglehold on what's going to happen. A true point guard, right? That's what it is. Someone that can just absolutely change the trajectory of a team and a season. And we have it with Marquise Noel. I mean, this guy is from New York. His literal handle is Mr. New York City. This guy has pictures of him with Kimba Walker. And Kimba Walker has a freaking Dykeman jersey on. It's probably the most New York picture I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, So Marquise Noel in this game, if you weren't watching, you missed history. This guy broke and set the NCAA assist record. And in the first half, I mean, literally in the first half, this guy has double-digit assists. He has 10 assists, and he should have had 11 assists. Like, at the end of the half, half he throws a behind-the-back pass that should have been an open layup, but then it was a foul. It ended up being a foul on the floor, but that's all besides the point. That's how insane um, Marquise Noel was in this game. And it started from literally the very start of the game. The first play of the game for Kansas State is a, is a Marquise Noel lob to Keontae Johnson. And that kind of set the tone for... All right, we're, we're going to have uh, ourselves a day here in Madison Square Garden. I'm going to be honest, before going into today, I thought that the CBS games in Vegas were the must-see games. You got you to gotta watch these games. This was the first game of the day, and it started, I mean, absolutely, you know, it was electric. That, that's probably the best word for it. And once again, our guy, Jerome Tang, coach of Kansas State, he has an in-game interview with Allie LaForce, and I thought he had a great little nugget that he pointed out. And he said, we got to watch Joey Hauser as a transition trailer three. That's something that they're getting. We're, we're, we're trying to make sure we don't give that up. And they adjusted. And I, I feel like Jerome Tang is one of those coaches that when he does those interviews, he actually does give you something that's a little bit of insight. So I appreciated that. This also was an NYC point guard showdown. Marquise Noel, of course, I already told you about his history. But then you got Tyson Walker with the Michigan State. And, I mean, these two guys, they're just going back and forth um, in this game. And Noel, the the big kind of um, shift in this game, he has an ankle injury in the second half, kind of changed the game. It ends up leading to a Michigan State run. They tie the game up at 50-50 to with about 14-10 to play. And, uh, you know, Keontae Johnson, right after that, he has this amazing, he threw the ball off the back of Malik Hall. Like, this is like schoolyard stuff. I mean, throws it off his back, catches it, and gets an easy layup. And it felt like they were just trying to survive this Sparty run. Sparty goes on an 11-2 run. And then all of a sudden, Marquise Noel enters the game again. This guy is looked like he could barely walk. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's a broken play. He literally just throws up a prayer three-pointer, banks off the glass, goes in. And when you're playing in a game and you see someone do something like that, you're saying to yourself, oh, my God, uh, this might be their day. Um, Joey Hauser, four, four made threes in this game. I mentioned he was a focal point of Jerome Tang. He also hit a three to win the race to 69. We're going to talk about that later, but he hit the three to win, win the race to 69. Remember the MSG slash Big Ten stat of the day, the seven seed, the last two times in Madison Square Garden has moved on to the final four. Michigan State was the seven seed. They also won the race to 69. 
I'm saying to myself, oh no, this is looking like a Tom Izzo special. He's on his way. And then Kansas State, they just go on a 10-0 run. Uh, Masood hits a three to give them the lead, 77-70. to Then hits another one, 80-75. to And I mentioned Kimba at the start of the show. And Marquise Noel literally had, the score is 80-78. to They're now, Noel is so amazing with his passing. Like I said, it was a passing clinic. But at this point in time, like Michigan State's not even looking at him to score. They're so worried about him passing the basketball that he takes like a vintage Kimba step back mid-range elbow jumper to give them an 82-78 lead in Madison Square Garden, right? And it just felt like, oh my goodness, right? This is this is exactly what you expect from these two teams. Um, and from there, it was just a back and forth, back and forth. We we end up tied 82-82. Tyson Walker with the left-handed finish. Uh, you didn't want to foul him there because then he could have got the and one. But 82-82, we go to overtime. This is the first overtime game since 2017. And when we get into overtime, I mean, <laughs> after the game, Marquise Noel, he said, it was like a Rocky fight tonight. It was absolutely a rocky fight. And the moment, the 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 thing that will be remembered from this game, uh, I saw some people were calling it the argue oop, which I think is a great way to uh, describe this. But at, with about less than a minute to play, we're in overtime. Um, you know, it's 92-92 tie basketball game. Jerome Tang is on the sideline. He's yelling out a play to, Mar- to Marquise Noel. Noel is like arguing back to him, but then immediately oh, yes. just kind of, just changes course. Keontae Johnson cuts and he throws the lob to Keontae Johnson, dunks it 94, 92, like the critical play in the game right there. And, you know, there's been a lot of conversation. I saw Jay Wright saying that Tang was actually trying to call a play. And then Noel was like, no, we don't need that play. And then, you know, just instincts caught him. He saw it peripheral through the pass. I personally think Kyle, this reminded me of. Uh, have you seen the longest yard with Adam Sandler? Not the first one with Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I've the seen second. Them both, of yes. course. Yeah, we've seen. We've all seen them both. But I feel like for this reference, we're going to talk about the second one because it reminded me of the Burt Reynolds. Remember at in uh, when they go for two, Adam Sandler, his his character, um, what's his name? Fucking uh, Paul Crew. Yeah, Paul Crew walks over to the sideline. Burt Reynolds' character, and he's like, "What are you doing, old man? You know, you're you're probably like, what are you saying? What?" And then they snap the ball. And then it's like, uh, it's basically a trick play. That's what I thought this was. I really do. I, I think Jerome Tang and Marquise Noel were keen. Like Michigan State kind of rested. They took a breath. They took a beat because they're like, okay, these guys are figuring out what they're doing. And then they just caught him when they were off guard through the lob. Bang. That was pretty much the game. And then uh, there was also a great baseline out of bounds set that that uh, Tang drew up. Um Went to for Masood, who ended up hitting a shot to get up 96-93. Then, uh, you know, Michigan State throws it all around the perimeter late in this game. They can't get a three up. Steal from Noel. He goes down. He finishes. And he ends up with 20 points, 19 assists, five steals. Again, this is an NCAA tournament record, 19 assists. The record before was 18. Um, so back in 1987. So there you go. I mean, that that's... That's the big time moment there. Noel was incredible. And my favorite part was (laughs) they get the win. They're in Madison Square Garden. This is home court, home country for Marquise Noel. They give the shot. They give him, you know, the camera moment. And he's just saying, this is my city. He claims the city. This is my city. This is my city. And Kyle, you're from New York. Get out. You get it. You get (laughs) it. This is my city. Get out. And to be able to say that in, you know, Madison Square Garden, in the Mecca, I just, I found it amazing. It was a, this was, 
Between this game and the UCLA-Gonzaga game, I don't know which game was the better game, but I do know that Jerome Tang and Kansas State and Michigan State and Tom Izzo, everybody showed up and gave their A game today. Nobody backed down. I think that first lob dunk, you know, at the start of the game, it felt like Kansas State could punk, you know, Michigan State potentially, but it didn't. They ended up, Sissoko had a big dunk and a big lob a couple plays later. They were kind of like, we're here. We're going to answer the bell. Going to overtime, uh, this game deserved overtime. We, uh, as fans of basketball, we deserve th- this kind of quality of game. So shout out to Jerome Tang. Shout out to Kansas State. Going to the Elite Eight. Um, tip of the cap to Tom Izzo. I mean, a guy who's gone to eight Final Fours. Uh, but with Tom Izzo and with Michigan State bowing out, we have news, Kyle. This is uh, this is good news for uh, all the people at home who like new teams to win. We officially, officially have no head coaches with a national title in the tournament right now. So one coach is going to get their first national championship this season. So there you go. Could it be Jerome Tang? Could it be Mark Few, a guy who's been knocking on the door for quite some time? I don't know, but I do know we're getting good basketball games. As I said at the start of this tournament, the first round, we do want Cinderella upsets. Of course we do. But after that, we want chalk. We want good basketball games. We want good teams moving on. So shout out to Kansas State for making that happen. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is uh, this is going to be tough to talk about. This is the third game of the day. Um, All right. I went on the Bill Simmons podcast, Kyle. You remember this. You're the producer of it. You were there. Um, I went on the Bill Simmons podcast, and Bill's like, who should we be looking out for for, you know, upsets and chokes? And, you know, I brought up Rick Barnes, and, and Bill and I went into it. We talked about um, Rick Barnes in the tournament, Rick Barnes in March. Can we trust Rick Barnes? And what did Rick Barnes do in the second round? He delivered, folks. He delivered. And I tipped my cap and I said, man, this guy is great. This guy is such a good coach. I have to give him all the love and respect he deserves. As the kids say, give him his flowers. Rick Barnes, you got your flowers. And now I'm taking your flowers away because, (laughs) oh my goodness. All right, we got number, this is the second game in MSG, by the way. So this is the third game of the day. We had Florida Atlantic, who just won their first tournament game in program history. This is their first sweet, uh, which would mean this is their first sweet 16 in program history. We all get how that works. And the way that this game started, I mean, this game was physical. I mean, Tennessee 
is I mentioned the MMA fighting on the last podcast. Tennessee is the closest thing to an MMA fight you can find in college basketball. That is who they are. Um, that is who, you know, they, they proclaim to be. And they came out, you know, of the gates in this game absolutely dominating the Owls. I mean, they're physically just <laughs> roughing these guys up. I can only imagine the ice bass that Florida Atlantic is going to take tonight because they got absolutely roughed up in the first half. It looked like Tennessee was going to just physically cruise to the Elite Eight for Rick Barnes for his chance to go up against Jerome Tang, first-year head coach, and there was a clear path to the Final Four. And in the words of Lee Corso, not so fast. So here we go. In the second half, the Owls going in an 8-0 run to take a 41-39 lead with about 10-41 to play. And immediately, immediately at that that point, Kyle, you're saying, oh, no, we're in Rick Barnes territory. This is these are the things that happened to Rick Barnes in the tournament. I don't like it, but it's happening. I'm seeing it. I've seen it before. And the Owls don't stop, you know, from there. They just keep rolling. And eventually, with about 722 to play in this game, we get the classic Rick Barnes needs a timeout. (laughs) Rick Barnes does need a timeout. It's 48 to 41. And if you haven't watched Tennessee all year, Tennessee is very much like a Virginia team where if they're down five, they're really down 10, right? I mean, it's it's hard for them to score. Everything's a little bit difficult. And, you know, for the Owls, once they got the lead, once they went up 41-39, it just felt like it, it just felt like they they were like, we we smell blood and we're ready to go because Tennessee was tight. Uh, Michael Forrest w- was one guy I wanted to shout out for FAU. Comes off the bench, hit some big shots. And, and one of the biggest shots that he took was not actually a shot he made. He literally hit the side of the backboard. Um, but the Owls get their 11th offensive rebound and they get a bucket. They go up 51-41 with about 6.40 to go. So that's a 20-4 to run over six and a half minutes of gameplay. And uh, they immediately cut, and I felt bad for him. And uh, I probably should preface this. I do respect the Boston Celtics. But they cut to Grant Williams, who's a Tennessee alum, one of the best Tennessee alums from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a big fan of Grant Williams. But they, unfortunately, he was the face of the of the choke. He, he was the one in the crowd that they're like, all right, cut to Grant Williams. All right, now, now it's time to cut to Grant Williams. He's yelling to speed it up. Please speed it up. Josiah Jordan-James hit a big three. He cut it to five with about three minutes left. You felt like, all right, maybe Tennessee's got a little bit of juice. Maybe they can make a run. But I think the irony of all this, and like if you're a Rick Barnes hater and you want to you know, you know, know, dance on Rick Barnes' grave, you probably can use this note. The Conference USA Sixth Man of the Year, John L. Davis, sent Rick Barnes home in the Sweet 16, right? I mean, the Conference six man, conference USA Sixth Man of the Year. And I know John L. Davis has had a great tournament. I know he's been starting in the second half of the season. And I know he's one of the Owls' best players. He had some clutch free throws down the stretch. But the fact that the Conference USA Sixth Man of the Year is the face of this upset and the fact that FAU literally has never been here before Literally, like not even, uh, they haven't even sniffed it. This is their first tournament. And for Dusty May to outcoach Rick Barnes down the stretch, this is tough. This is tough. And uh, it goes back to the Rick Barnes in March. And you could see the clear path to the final four. You really could. And I think that's why I'm, a be, I'm being a little bit harsh right now on Rick Barnes. We know Rick Barnes has built a great culture there. We know Rick Barnes gets talent in. I just felt like for Tennessee, this was... The bracket, the bracket can always break in your favor. For Tennessee, yes, it was a big upset over Duke, but as you looked ahead, you had to feel pretty good about how things broke for you. Um, and for this to be how it ends, for the Owls to end up advancing, I mean, congrats to Dusty May. Congrats to Florida Atlantic. I mean, th- this is a uh, 
all-timer for this program. This is a back-to-back years. We have a very unfamiliar face in the Sweet 16, a very, you know, a Cinderella story with FAU. And it's insane to me, Kyle, that in Madison Square Garden, to go to the Final Four, we have Kansas State versus FAU. Like, that is, uh, even saying that out loud, if you had that in your bracket, you know, kudos to you. Bingo. You got it. I I, I don't know anyone who, who had that in their bracket. I don't know anyone that thought that could be possible. Yeah, you might sell those tickets if you had them regularly. Right. <laughs> it, yeah. If you're just a New York guy and you like going to the games, you might say, all right, all right, all right. Well, I'll just stay at home for this one. But it should be a fun game. It should be an interesting totally, game. because of the stakes. So I just mean, if it was a regular, you know, season game, you might have. Yeah, you, you might, might pass just, on that one. You might pass a camping weekend or something. Right. You might take a break. You might go outside the city. You might do something fun. But anyways, here we are. Madison Square Garden. We got that Elite Eight game. And the final game of the day that we have to talk about, um, this game was billed. And and me personally, I thought this was going to be a really good basketball game. Arkansas-UConn. This was also in Vegas. This was the first game in Vegas. And uh, I guess the big story of this game, Kyle, is that Bill Murray was in the building, right? I mean, (laughs) that was the joke. That was, I mean, Bill Murray literally after this game, if you didn't see it, I'll I'll save you, uh, you know, the big, long, drawn out discussion about what happened in this game. It was an absolute ass kicking by Connecticut, and it all came down to passing, right? Marquise Noel was singular in his passing clinic. UConn as a collective group, I mean, they just showed that if you move the ball, you're going to have a good time. Arkansas tried to close out hard. They tried to close out on the shooters of UConn. (laughs) They drove by them. They got guys to commit. They made good passes, and and guys made shots. And specifically, a guy that has been doubted quite a bit on this team, Tristan Newton, the point guard, transfer from ECU. He had two big threes in this game early. One three-pointer literally from Stores, Connecticut. I mean, it was a deep, deep three. He's not known for that, but he does it. This game was the bigs versus the guards of Arkansas. And if you know anything about basketball, the bigs win. The bigs always win, And uh, unless you're Steph Curry and the Warriors. Sometimes, I guess... It doesn't always work out that way, but the bigs typically win. Um, uh, I I love that the whole Hurley family was in the building. Um, Speaking of New Jersey, um, that is a a, a Jersey family. Shout out to St. Anthony's. Um, There was one significant play in this game with Adama Sinogo. He and Marquise Noel right now are making their case for MOPs of the tournament, by the way, but the Huskies are on a 14-0 run. It's a broken play. Like, Sonogo, like, he's dribbling the ball. It's bouncing all over the place. But then he somehow collects it and finishes it. And it gives UConn a 34-17 lead. I mean, they had, at that point, they had 18 points in the paint. So they were beating Arkansas strictly with points in the paint. And look, they're ninth best in the country in assisted baskets. That's what they do. Um, there was one specific drop pass where Sonogo had the ball on the block. He gets doubled. And he immediately just like throws a beautiful little bounce pass to Andre Jackson Jr., who slams it down for a nice little dunk. I mean, 42 to 24 points in the paint. They shot 57% from the field, the Huskies. They had Jim Calhoun in the house. I mean, that was that was great to see. We're big Jim Calhoun fans on this show, so that was fun. This is UConn's first Elite Eight since 2014. Um, and look, it was all UConn. I mean, must bust. We know what he does. Must bust is a sandbagger. He likes to get down early. He likes you to build up your hope. And then he likes to demolish your dreams. That's what he does. That's what he did against Kansas, right? He let Kansas basically be up the entire game until they weren't. But this game, they could just never catch the reins. They could never get a hold of this game. UConn, it was clinical. Jordan Hawkins, I mean, 24 points, team's leading scorer. He was great in this game. Didn't really, I mean, it just felt like UConn, <laughs> it just made it felt like they made the right play, the right pass, the right decision. 
the entire night. And, uh, you know, what's an even funnier wrinkle about this game is that I don't know if you saw this, Kyle, but you uh, kind of had to f- was forced to switch hotels prior to the game, by the way. They got to their hotels in Vegas and they were they, they compared it to the hangover. They said that the rooms were absolutely destroyed. There was vomit all over the place. Oh. There was like piss everywhere. It was like an absolute shit show to say the least, literally. And so UConn gets to Vegas. They check into their hotels. And that's what, and the NCAA, by the way, it's not like UConn books these hotels, right? The NCAA does. So the NCAA booked this hotel. UConn gets there. They have all this hoopla happen. They have to change hotels. There, there was a lot of conversation before the game about Did they about name this. the hotels? They did not in the story that I, I saw. I bet you there was some sort of backdoor deal. Right. Like, Vegas please, is like, please, please don't say anything. <laughs> please. please, God. Uh, whatever you do, don't put that out. But yeah, so UConn, they had all this like, you know, there were some conversations before the game, like, could this affect them and all this sort of stuff? But it did not. They absolutely dominated. Um, there's really, I mean, the best part of the game, like I said, was Bill Murray. And then after the game, Bill Murray goes up to, uh, they go up to Dan Hurley. Uh, he goes up to Dan Hurley and he asked him to take his shirt off. And uh, I thought that was great because that's what must bus obviously did after beating Kansas, took his shirt off and swung it. Um, Connecticut dominated. There's really no other way to put it. They got up by 29 points at one point. They opened the second half on a 16 to four run. It was just absolute domination. There's really you know no ifs, ands or buts about it. And now we have a fascinating matchup. Um, as you look ahead to the Elite Eight in Vegas, because Drew Timmy, like I said, it was the Drew Timmy game. I, I read you the stat about Drew Timmy's record at Gonzaga. It's incredulous, unbelievable, all the adjectives. But he also played a UCLA team that was not starting their starting center and who was dealing with two starters being out. So Drew Timmy is now going to go up against UConn, who has Adama Sanogo, who's arguably the MOP in the tournament. Drew Timmy's going to be in that conversation also. But he's also got Donovan Klingen. And uh, Donovan Klingen, if you haven't met him before, he is a seven-foot freshman that comes off the bench. And he had a a big-time alley-oop in this game. Um, And when he had the alley-oop, they immediately cut to Bill Murray. Like I said, Bill Murray is the real star of this game. So uh, I'm excited for that matchup, though. Drew Timmy versus those two bigs in Vegas. Kyle, I I mean, I'm tinkering with the idea that we may have to go to this game. I'm not sure, though. I mean, would you would you ride with me to Vegas if I if I told you I would drive you there? Yeah, as long as we don't take my Mustang, because uh, right, we can't take I don't the Mustang. We can afford that. Right, we can't pay for that gas. I'll I'll take my car. I'll drive us. I think we may have to go. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. But I I am itching to get to Vegas to watch those teams play because uh, it's going to be a great game. Drew Timmy versus those two bigs. Gonzaga looks really good. Um, there's really no ifs ands or buts about it. They're they're a tough team. I'm excited uh, to see what happens with them. I thought this was a big day for the trailer three. Like I said, Jerome Tang's talking about the Hauser trailer three. Julian Strother hits the trailer three, right? Those were, you know, some seminal moments from the start to the end of the day. It starts and ends with the trailer three. We all love that in basketball. Um, Well, there you have it. That's the rundown. That was the first day of the Sweet 16. Kyle, is there anything else that uh, that uh, that I forgot as I as we were parsing through this? Did I say anything to you that I didn't say on the podcast? Um, yeah, because I guess we'd be in the typical shout outs portion of, right. our, of our thing. So I said shout out to the race of sixty nine. It's caveat corner. It mm. is undefeated in regulation. I'm being told, is right? That correct. That's what. Uh, yeah, we got the we got the the committee here. It's a it's a group of uh, nerds that I hired that do the math for me. They're saying in regulation. We're good, but in overtime, Joey Hauser obviously won the race 69, but then the game, they lose in overtime. But in regulation, we are still undefeated. So, honestly, I think we just got to put 
in regulation at the end of the tweet and no one will say anything, right? That that's Yeah, if you put a bunch of words, that's fine, but like uh it's not like one of those stats where it's like, you know, Tuesdays in November, you know. The uh, race Tom is 69 is undefeated in regulation of the 2023 NCAA tournament. That sounds pretty good to me. Oh, if you say it fast enough, it sounds like less words. Shout out to Van Lathan. Watched a couple games with him. Right. That was my first shout out. Van Lathan. I have never met Van Lathan in person. We are so, you know, this is classic. This is what happens when you're internet people, right? I, I We're friends on Twitter. I, I love his work from a distance, but I never met him in person. I got to the Spotify offices today. I assume no one's here because that's kind of how things roll. You know, it's late in the afternoon. No one's going to hang around and watch college basketball with me, of course, until Van Lathan defied all odds. He walks out of the studio. He's like, I'm in here doing higher learning. I'm like, great show. Enjoy it. Enjoy the broadcast. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, Sweet 16, you want to take a seat? It's MSG. It's Marquise Noel. He's fascinated. We had a great talk. We talked about the South. We talked about all types of I was really bonded over the South. I just kind of got out of the way. Yeah, we kind of became best friends. Um which was great. And and Van Lathan is a very smart, very funny dude. Even better in person. You know, a lot of people, they're good on Twitter, but you never know how they are in real life. Van Lathan, good guy all around. Infectious laugh, I'll say. Really. Yeah. You might, you like, you guys were laughing about some shit about college football. I don't even know, but I just felt compelled to laugh. So we were all laughing. I let out some belly laughs. I don't even know why. I just right. having a good time. Well, that's, look, we're here to have fun. I mean, Sal said that the golden rule of gambling is to have fun. I think the golden <laughs> rule of One Shining Podcast is to have fun. And Van Lathan gets us. So shout out to him. I want to shout out to Mick Cronin's uh, UCLA whiteboard. Um, if you didn't see this during the game, he has a whiteboard. Now we're in the bottom of the barrel right now. Well, I, I mean, I just, I thought it was so cool. I mean, you did. I, you really did. I also thought Mick Cronin uh, was going to get a win tonight, but you know, we'll, we'll get over that. Uh, but cool whiteboard. It was literally the UCLA court. I liked how he's drawing up plays on there. Appreciate that. Um, you know, shout out to uh, Marquise Noel. One more shout out. I know I talked about him a lot, but um, before he threw the alley-oop to Keontae Johnson, before he did that, Allegedly, and he said this in his post-game press conference. He said, so Isaiah Thomas, not little Isaiah Thomas from the Celtics, but the the OG Isaiah Thomas, two-time NBA champion, Indiana national champion, the legend himself. Isaiah Thomas is there sitting in the Michigan State section, by the way. So um, a lot of questions about that. I would say that might be Suns related. The Suns owner was a walk-on at Michigan State. There's been conversation that he wants to hire Isaiah Thomas. You can read between the lines. Maybe Bill Simmons. I'll, I'll actually tell Bill that was happening so he can run with that story, but that's neither here nor there. But apparently Marquise Noel said to Isaiah Thomas before throwing the alley-oop, although he was arguing with his coach, so I don't know how true this is. He said that he said to, to Isaiah Thomas, watch this. Uh, and uh, I choose to believe it. I choose to believe that was a fake pass. I, the no look, I choose to believe it all. And, and uh, here's how I would work it back to, to make sure that it's real. I think as he was dribbling up the court, he dribbled past Isaiah Thomas and said, watch this. And then when he got to the spot, Kyle, uh, Jerome Tang was like, run this other play. And he's like, I already told Isaiah Thomas to watch this. I'm not going to run the other play. <laughs> I'm a man of my word. Yeah, I'm a man of my word. Shut up. Like, I got to impress Isaiah Thomas. I'm in Madison Square Garden. And then he throws the lob for the alley-oop. And then Jerome Tang, I mean, after the game, Jerome Tang said, I mean, congratulations to my guys for coaching tonight. He literally yeah, said he that. So, um, by the way, top of my list. I mean, Creighton guys are, are my heart, but my head is now squarely uh, got its sights on Marquise Noel. Have you seen uh, the video of Kansas State before the game? Listen to Little Baby. No. All right. Well, I'll, I'll play. I'll play that video for you. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's a classic. I mean, Kansas State's a very likable team. Jerome Tang is the coach of the year, but Marquise Noel saying, watch this to Isaiah Thomas and then throwing that lob. That's sick. I love to see that. Um, so 
that that is like the shout out I want to 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 marinate in your mind. Marquise Noel, the ultimate Kimba candidate. This guy is taking over the tournament. He's taken over our hearts by storm. He's gonna get one more chance in MSG. Ooh, it's going to be a good game. And he's playing FAU, so it looks like a Final Four path is right there for the taking. Not going to get ahead of ourselves, of course. Not going to be Tennessee on this program, but looks like they could make the Final Four. Um, last shout-out. Shout-out to the Sweet 16 slate tomorrow. We got some good games. And guess what, guys? It's not going to be just me rambling by myself. And it's not because Kyle Mann's going to be healthy. I told Kyle Mann to take a break, take the Sweet 16 off, get better, rest up, all the things. And tomorrow night... We're going to make him watch college basketball. And I and I will put my I will stick my neck out to make sure that it happens. His name is Kevin O'Connor, and he is a part of the Ringer Podcast Network and the Ringer at large. He is a guy that I used to produce his podcast. The Mis- the mismatch is what it's called now, but it used to just be the Ringer NBA show with Chris Vernon, Kevin O'Connor. Love KOC. I got to come up with a lot of Kevin O, you know, Capitan, Kevin O, a lot, a lot of those Kevin O whatevers um, before we get him on here. But he's going to be on the show tomorrow night. So um, I'm excited for that. I'm excited not to be talking just to myself. Yeah, I, shout out uh, to you, Tate Frazier, for pulling a uh, Colin Coward right. uh, morning radio host today, Ryan Rosillo, whatever you want to call it. Shout I don't, out to you. You didn't seem too happy about it, but something when you start getting going in that notepad and it just, I knew it was going to work. Right. And you give me a notepad, you give me some notes, I'll start ripping it off. You know, I'll figure it out. <laughs> and look, I watch Colin Coward pretty much every day. I mean, I watch all sports TV because I'm a sicko, but, but I, I also like, I appreciate the art form of being able to talk to yourself. I just don't want to do it so much that I go crazy. Right. That's, and that's a very scary thing to me. So, Kyle, man, please get healthy soon so I don't lose my mind. Again, KOC is coming on tomorrow night. It's going to be a great show. we got a great slate of games. we got uh, all reaction shows every single night. Tonight, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Hopefully, you're picking up the routine right now. Um, again, appreciate everyone listening to the show. This has been a lot of fun. It's great to be you know, back in a studio and you know, be in this impression, professional environment and watch basketball with my friends. And, uh, you know, it's been all good things. Kyle, anything else before we get out of here? Nah, let's go, man. We'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. I appreciate everyone tuning in. This is One Shining Podcast. I am Tate Frazier, and we'll see you then.